0: Ray
1: Brown's
0: Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.
3: And Video Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com.
1: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 873. As we begin our show this morning, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine as they fight for their democracy and their survival. Well, it's time once again to ask the question, where's Freya? Turns out that she's at a place a lot of folks favor in February, Florida. Here she is with an avian audio panhandle postcard.
3: Hey, everybody. It's Freya McGregor here. I'm at St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge, which is on the panhandle of Florida. And I'm looking at, I don't know, a couple of hundred uh, small shorebirds. I think they're all dunlin, but I'm not that good at shorebirds, and it's a bit confusing when they're all in non-breeding plumage. They all took off a little while ago, and the noise they made, all their wings as they were flying and circling together was really quite fantastic. There's two marble godwits out there. They're bigger and kind of golden. They stand out, long bills. And a couple of black-bellied plovers and a few semi-palmated plovers. I can tell them because they look really different to the others, but I think the hundreds and hundreds of birds are done but I'm not really sure. I've also seen a couple of bald eagles and osprey and some buffleheads heads and a woodstock, which was neat. But I've never seen this many shorebirds in one place before, only in photos. So even though I'm not really sure what they're called, it doesn't make them any less awesome. I'm going to see if I can do some more sleuthing and figure it out. Okay,
1: bye. That's our Freya McGregor down there in warm and sunny Florida. Uh, Meanwhile, back here at our home base of Massachusetts, we have falcons and we have bats. But we haven't been able to combine the two the way Texas has done, in a manner of speaking, that concerns the recent discovery of a bat falcon, seen numerous times in the last uh, month and a half or so, I think, or maybe two months, marking the first ever recorded U.S. sightings. And it was the bird that put Tiffany Kirsten's birding effort Over the top just recently when she broke the U.S. Big Year record with 726 species. Tiffany will be with us to tell us all about that in just a couple of weeks from now on our show number 875. And as for the bat falcon, we'll focus on it a little more when we make it our featured feathered friend in an upcoming show. And we'll be talking about uh, falcons today as well. Meanwhile... (laughs) That would be the sound of our mystery bird little preview right here of our mystery bird contest coming up in just a bit. Want to get you ready to call in when we give the signal a little later. Uh, So we'll have time to execute our contest here. Beautiful prizes await and our mystery bird clues uh, go this way. It's a large black water bird with a long body, a long neck, medium-sized bill with a hook at the tip. In a patch of white and yellow at the base of the bill, it feeds by diving for fish and crustaceans here in North America. It's found only along the Atlantic coast, breeding in just a few colonies from Maine to Greenland and wintering along the coast from New England to southern Florida. Beautiful prizes this morning include the Droll Yankees' new generation yellow thistle finch feeder with six perch locations. To allow several birds to feed simultaneously. It even has a very clever internal seed baffle, so it makes sure the feeder empties completely without allowing seed buildup. Kind of important. And also important to protect birds. Our other prize is the Feather-Friendly Window Protection Tape Kit to keep birds from crashing into your windows. Birds see the tape clearly, but it's virtually invisible to humans. And it's endorsed ...by numerous bird conservation groups because it really works. Prizes there on our mystery bird contest coming along here in uh, just a little bit. Our conservation bad idea of the week. The U.S. Postal Service has announced it will buy as many as 148,500 gasoline-powered delivery trucks... ...instead of clean energy electric vehicles, although they are buying some of those apparently. And their plan comes despite objections from the Environmental Protection Agency and others. Also kind of flies in the face of science about gas-powered vehicles and their effect on the climate. We've signed a petition urging the Postal Service to reverse this decision. And for those who'd like to do the same, you can find one of the petitions at change.org. That leads us to a conservation quote of the week from the great environmental activist Bill McKibben, who's been driving an electric car for several years now. It's also a practical quote about what it's actually like to drive an electric car. And as someone who's also (laughs) driven an electric car for several years, uh, this quote resonates certainly with me. Bill McKibben said about electric cars, once you've driven one, you just don't want to drive anything else. End quote. Fact check. uh, True. Here's a royal salute to royalty of the Talking Birds listener family. And that's our ambassadors who help us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And thank you to Jim Sweeney from Kingston, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Jim. And thank you, Melissa G. from Situate, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Melissa. And thank you, Elaine Kapulik from Reno, Nevada. All joining our ambassadors family. And now an update on our quest to grow our ambassador's family to 700 members by the end of February, as we do our show live here. That would be uh, um, tomorrow. So we are down to the wire. And this is a verified actual number of how many ambassadors we have in the family right now. 697. Three more to reach our goal, one more day to do it. So down to the wire if you'd like to join our ambassador's family Hope you will. Just click on the Get Involved tab at TalkinBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll have a wonderful guest talking about a fascinating new book about a pretty amazing bird. We'll learn more about that in just a moment. We'll also catch up with Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment about some unusual goings-on in a Rhode Island backyard. And up next... The bird that launched a legendary birder's journey of discovery is today's featured feather trend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Do you have a spark bird? That is, a bird that provided the spark that ignited your interest or your passion for looking at birds. Well Phoebe Snetzinger had one, her spark bird led to a fire, an inferno, a conflagration of birdwatching fervor. She saw this bird when a neighbor took her out on her first bird walk. Upon seeing the bird, Phoebe was transformed. As she put it, I had never seen anything like it and at the same time, I realized that the bird had probably been in the trees in my own backyard every spring I'd been alive. It was as if a window opened up. Phoebe soon began looking for birds in her suburban Minneapolis backyard and in the woods around her home, but before long she began ranging far beyond the suburbs. Phoebe Snetziger went on to break the life list record for the number of bird species seen. By the time she died, in a van accident while birdwatching in Madagascar at the age of 68, that list had grown to 8,398 species. And the bird that started it all? It was a tiny warbler with a brilliant orange throat, yellow-orange eyebrow, small black face mask and broad white wing bars and named for the English botanist Anna Blackburn Yes, it was the Blackburnian warbler, a bird that breeds in eastern North America from southern Canada down through New England to North Carolina and westward through the Great Lakes region Try to listen for this sound look for the bird as it forages for insects and spiders on small branches way up high in mostly coniferous trees. The Blackburnian Warbler, Satofica Fusca, Phoebe Spark Sparkbird, and today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friends. Welcome again to our show, number 873. Thanks for being with us. Jonathan Myberg is the author of a fascinating new book, or its new release just recently released in paperback. It's been described as a combination of science writing and travelogue and biography. I think we could add history to the description. It's called A Most Remarkable Creature, The Hidden Life, An Epic Journey of the World's Smartest Birds of Prey. And he joins us now to tell us about it. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Ray. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Great to have you on with us yeah. to tell us about this really wonderful book. Well, when we think of very smart birds, we might think of corvids, crows, and ravens, for example. Uh, we have a raven, by the way, building a nest right behind our radio really? station this morning in the broadcast tower, so we're keeping an eye on that. Yeah, he's keeping an eye on you. Well, they, That too, yeah. Well, we, we're going to talk about a bird that likes to keep an eye People, certainly. It's the striated Caracara, appears on the cover of your book, and it's a falcon. Uh, but it and its Caracara relatives, I think this is fair to say, are very different than the falcons we know here in North America. So, what makes Caracaras, and especially the striated Caracara, so different from these other falcons? Well, the falcons that we know in the northern world, like
2: peregrines, merlins, kestrels, this kind of thing, are these expert hunters. And they're called true falcons sometimes, which I think is really a misnomer, hmm. because they're actually a, a sort of an offshoot of a, of a larger family that's located mostly in South America, and it seems to have originated and diversified there in the, the peregrines that we know. and in, in fact, in the bat falcon, um, which is also a true falcon, it was a reoccupied South America after having been away for a while. Hmm. But uh, within South America, there's this incredible diversity of falcons that are really different. And the caracaras are a group of nine species that are uh, opportunists, generalists, scavengers, jacks-of-all-trades. They're social. They're curious. Um, They're sort of like if you imagine building a crow on a falcon chassis, you might get these (laughs) birds. Uh, And because there are no large crows in South America, they they kind of uh, fill that niche there. Mm -hmm. The striated caracaras are the largest and rarest of the group, and they live uh, in a very improbable place. They live on islands. Uh, off of the southern tip of South America, including Cape Horn itself, and uh, also, uh, most notably, the Falkland Islands, which are just, uh, uh, they're only about 750 miles from Antarctica, just east of Argentina.
1: hmm Well, the Falklands are, um, I met them in
2: 1997 for the first time, where they took me completely by surprise, uh, because they uh, ran up to me in the Falklands uh, and stared me down trying to see what I was about and did I have anything that they wanted Which is the same thing that they did to Darwin when he Mm -hmm. turned up there in 1833. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was so taken by them that he actually spent more time describing them uh, than he did any other bird in the Voyage of the Beagle. Mm -hmm. But uh, today they they number somewhere around the uh, their population is estimated at about 2,500, which puts them in the league with giant pandas. Uh, and I was just so completely charmed by these birds that they led me on this 25-year journey to understand what they were, why they were there, and why they were like this.
1: Mm-hmm. And that description of them being so uh, bold or sociable to, uh, with the humans, that, that kind of uh, echoes the Galapagos Islands, right? These two groups of islands have something in common. Very much so. Yeah, and uh, the Galapagos and the Falklands,
2: uh, the thing that they really have in common is that they uh, had very little or no Amerindian presence. Um, so they didn't encounter people for the most part the the wildlife that lived in these islands didn't encounter people until Europeans turned up uh, which makes them maybe the only parts of the entire new world that Europeans kind of discovered, although there's recent evidence that some Amerindians did reach the Falklands and and stayed for a a short time, Mm -hmm. a long time ago
1: Well, uh, speaking of people, there are many interesting people and characters in in your book and most prominently writer and natural historian William Henry Hudson Yes Um, I think you describe him as a hero of yours. Tell us about a little bit about him and, and also how he kind of defended the reputation of caracaras uh, against those who considered them to be, what, less than respectable birds. Yeah, Hudson was extraordinary. He was born in Argentina in the 1840s in the Pampas, that broad
2: area of grasslands just south of Buenos Aires. And he grew up there on a sheep farm, uh, but then in his 30s, after his parents died, he moved to England and he never returned. But in England, he became this sort of champion of the natural world, not just birds, but all, all living things, although he loved birds especially, and was eventually one of the founders of the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. But he was a novelist, he was a naturalist, he was a memoirist. Uh, he, he was really very much ahead of his time, I think, in, in thinking about especially the emotional lives of, of animals. But uh, he was perhaps the first european writer to say a kind word about caracaras even darwin had called them false eagles who ill become so high a rank and called them disgusting and even now there's sort of a prejudice against them i think in that uh, they just don't act like birds of prey are supposed to act they uh, they're uh, they're not regal and dignified and aloof they're uh, they're more like us they're messy they're uh, innovative they're curious and um, hudson grew up with the Uh, on his farm there were two species that that frequented it. One was the crested caracara which we also have here in the United States and uh, the other was the chimango caracara which is a little crow-sized dusty brown bird um, which looks really insignificant except for the fact that it's one of the smartest birds to prey probably in the world. Uh, Hudson said that a, a bird so cosmopolitan in its habits might have a whole volume to itself in england but being only a poor foreigner it has had no more than a few unfriendly paragraphs bestowed
1: upon mm. it. well uh, speaking of the, the intelligence one of your chapters is titled the most intelligent bird in the world quite a description yes. and that comes if i understand remember this correctly from a falconer named jeff pearson um yes. who uh
2: for, for reasons that i explain in the book and won't mm-hmm. get into here there are a number of striated caracaras that live in england now all in falconry collections mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was named uh, Tina, was, uh, worked with Jeff for, for many years. Jeff's a uh, now retired falconer who lived in Devon. And uh, Tina could do things that other birds in the in his falconry collection just simply could not and would not do. Uh, Tina liked to solve puzzles. She got bored if you tried to, to sustain her routines for more than a few flying demonstrations. Uh, she wanted to work with him whether she was hungry or not. She could even uh, distinguish between objects by shape and color he could throw a set of stuffed animals over his shoulder and say go get Miss Piggy and she would jump down run along the ground because like all caracaras she's very good at running and walking uh, and uh, pick up Miss Piggy in her beak and bring it back to him Um, and he could even say once she'd picked up one stuffed animal he could say wait I've changed my mind get Donald Duck instead she would put it down pick up Donald Duck and bring that back
1: Wow, pretty, pretty amazing! And of course, one of the things about this is that well, I guess we've learned pretty recently that falcons are not so closely related to hawks and eagles, but closer to parrots.
2: That's right. Yeah, they're not. They're they're a, they're sort of a hidden, um, uh, stealth bird of prey in the sense that they're they, they're not as so closely related to hawks and eagles and the other other uh, predatory birds that we think about. Um, parrots are their nearest relatives. Uh, I think that parrots probably are the, the combined parrot falcon ancestor probably lived in uh, Antarctica back when it was warm, and uh, falcons seem to have made their way up into South
1: America while the parrots went over into Australasia. So much more to talk about in your book. I wish we <laughs> weren't running out of time, as we are, including your trip to Guyana. And uh, really one of the most entertaining parts of your book with the with the friends that you spent time there helping you. Yes, the,
2: there are four species of caracaras in the tropics. Red-throated caracaras, which eat wasps and live in giant family groups and nest in giant bromeliads. Yellow-headed caracaras that like to pick uh, uh, ticks and other ectoparasites off the bellies of very willing to peers and capybaras. Um, black caracaras which look like a bird the Adams family would keep as a pet uh, and, and then more crested caracaras which are everywhere
1: well you're a big admirer of William Henry Hudson as we said uh, in part because he can't be easily categorized and we might say that about you as well Jonathan in, in terms of your being a, an amazingly talented musician and I just want to mention your website which is ShearwaterMusic.com. And some really beautiful stuff there. And there's a video I found on YouTube um, of a song called Hidden Lakes. And there are actually some quick uh, videos of striated caracaras in that, uh, yeah, in that, in that back video. Yeah, back in
2: the days when I first met them, and many years ago. That was, uh, I, I piled a lot of sort of travel videos into that to that video. That's from a long time ago now. Mm-hmm. That was like 2010. But Shearwater has a new record coming out in
1: June called The Great Awakening. All right. That website again is shearwatermusic.com. The book is... The Most Remarkable Creature, The Hidden Life and Epic Journey of the World's Smartest Birds of Prey. And it's a wonderful one. You can find it just about anywhere books are available, including at the best place to find books, your local bookstore. Jonathan, congratulations on and good luck with the book. Now out in paperback. Thanks so much, Ray. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Jonathan Myberg here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or are packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit VortexOptics.com. We're on to the mystery bird contest, uh, I believe, and we heard the sound of that bird. Maybe we could just hear it uh, again there yeah, yeah, yeah. Our mystery bird is a large black water bird with a long body, a long neck, a medium-sized bill with a hook at the tip and a patch of white and yellow. At the base of the bill, it feeds by diving for fish and crustaceans. Here in North America, our bird is found only on the Atlantic coast, breeding in a few colonies from Maine to Greenland and wintering along the coast from New England to southern Florida. That's our bird, and our number is 781-837-4900. We hope you'll call it and uh, take a guess or tell us what that bird is and win a beautiful raft of prizes from droll Yankees and feather-friendly. And... We'll try to have time for our bonus question, in which time? In which case the bonus question prize is a $20 gift certificate for Wisdom Supply, makers of plastic-free books and notepads and journals and other supplies for classroom and office. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor. It's Let's Ask Mike, almost live from the archive in just one minute beauty books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. beauty B-U-T-E-O. beauty
0: Hi, my name is Brandon Hoyt, and I'm calling from Lakeland, Florida. The thing that I like most about being a Talkin' Birds ambassador is that you get a chance to
2: share your hobby with other people, and it really celebrates the joy of watching
1: birds.
3: Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on Get Involved at the top of the homepage, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. Join today, and thanks.
1: Well, we got a, a an email from a, a listener in West Greenwich Rhode Island uh, about feeding the birds in her backyard which she says she's been doing for a number of years and she had a question about something going on there and we tried to think who might answer that question and
0: uh, uh, hey will do it
1: oh all right well okay uh, I guess uh, yeah I guess I guess we'll have Mike O'Connor answer that question
0: I put my hand up nobody called on me so I
1: You've been having that problem since third grade, I think.
0: (laughs) Hey, by the way, I got your joke right. That was pretty good.
1: Which joke was that? Uh,
0: About Freya having. birds
1: in a bathroom and you can find birds wherever you go nice one yeah there's the rim shot delayed yeah okay thank you for noticing that yeah so uh Mm -hmm. anyway anna therese says she's been seeing a problem with the robin at her heated bird bath he's there drinking the water and she said i noticed a brownish murky substance in the water i quickly emptied it and cleaned it out and put fresh water in the bowl but she also noticed some very dark droppings in the snow. This seems to be kind of a trend on our program here this morning. But um, <laughs> anyway, she's wondering what's going on. Is this Robin ill, or what? Do you think?
0: Uh,
1: no, it's the
0: season. First of all, good for her. Good for you, uh, Anna Trees, for um, keeping an eye on your bird belt. A lot of people, first of all, don't have bird baths in the winter when. The- Birds are desperate for water, and secondly, they—if they do—they do, they just don't pay attention to them. So you notice that they need to make, be maintained. So good for you, um, robins. This time of year, they switch from worms to berries. They eat a lot of berries. Berries like uh, like geese eating grass. It passes through the birds quickly because of the seeds. Seeds take up uh, all the berries have seeds in them, which is the plant's idea the 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 plant puts out the berries, the birds eat the berries and then fly away and then disperse the seeds, which helps the the plant to to get more habitat. But the seeds take up a lot of room inside the bird's digestive system. and the, so the the birds pass those things quickly. Once they get the flesh off there and that's dissolved, the birds, they either poop it out, which happens a lot, or if it's a large seed, they, they regurgitate it and they pop it out through, just like to spit it out. And my bird bath is full of seeds right now or the ground around it. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> she had one robin. I had like 30 the other day and when they left, it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting. There was just <laughs> stuff everywhere. And it's just the birds drinking the water. They drink the water a lot because some of those uh, fruit is fermented right now. And so that helps dilute the toxins. But mostly they just it, taking a little bit of flesh off there and digesting that, and then then they regurgitate the seeds or they they poop them out the other end, depending much where they're going. But that's what's going on right now with the with the berries. The berries keep the birds alive in the winter, and it's not just robins; it's bluebirds, or mockingbirds, or whatever. And good for you for keeping your bird bath nice and clean. All right, that's
1: Mike O'Connor uh, watching birds wherever they go. Uh, on talking <laughs> birds. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Talk to you next week, right? <laughs> Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on
2: identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching
1: Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. We return one more time to the uh, Mystery Bird Contest and trying to identify this particular bird here at 781 837 4900. And Gary is somewhere in uh, New Jersey. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Good morning. Where in New Jersey, if you care to say?
0: Morris County, about. 20 miles directly west of the George Washington Bridge Morris that goes into New York.
1: Alright, well uh, Gary, you heard our clues there, I think and our um, yep. sound of the mystery bird, and you say it is uh, what? The common eider. Common eider. Let me check and see if that would be the No, that's not, uh, that's not what it says here on the paper and that's what I kind of go by but stand by, uh, Gary because if nobody gets the exactly correct answer, we'll uh, do a little drawing here and um, Okay. We'll uh, see see if we get a winner that way, all right? Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Gary, down there in Morris County, New Jersey. And Charlie is uh, closer by on Cape Cod. Good morning, Charlie. How you doing, my friend? What a beautiful day down here in Cape Cod. Yeah, well, it's always sunny there, so why should today be any different, right? Uh, I don't know
0: where to vacation
1: anymore since I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But the the How about... birds are awesome,
0: so is in your show. Well, thank you, Charlie. Um, what about that Thank mystery? You, what about uh, that I'm mystery? Gonna, I'm going to guess for a double-crested cormorant.
1: Wow, double-crested cormorant. That is uh, I love what we like to call a top-quality guess. It's even more uh, than eh, that. Eh, eh. Well, <laughs> I don't know, because if we don't get a, another correct answer here, you could be the winner, Charlie. So stand by. Yes, sir. Thank uh, you. All right. Um, before we reveal the identity of that mystery bird, um, we'll just preview next week's show quickly. We're going to talk about a fascinating and great program and helpful program called Nature's Notebook. It'll be on our show next week. Um, otherwise, we're just about out of time, but don't let me forget to identify that bird, which is the um, great cormorant. So you see how close uh, Charlie was there, the great cormorant, and we're going to say Charlie uh, is our winner this morning because he just almost had it there. Thanks to our amazing Talkin' Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week.
0: Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds.
1: <laughs> Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com
2: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com
3: And UDA Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. www.beautobooks.com